0: What's your favorite Beastie Boys lyric? Uh, Sometimes I like to... Uh, it goes up. <laughs>
1: sometimes I like to brag. Sometimes I'm soft-spoken. And when I'm in Holland, I eat the pan and Nice. Ooh, you
0: sound, you sound raspy. Yeah, I sound a little ad-rocky. I think my... The my... King Ad-Rock is my... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sir, I'm, I'm the sorry. one who coughs on this program. Mm-hmm. I am the one who coughs.
1: The King Ad-Rock is my name. I know the fly spot where they got the champagne.
0: Uh, Ooh, are you, uh, we can deal with this later. I'm like, are you getting sick? (laughs) Mine is, mine is, mine is simply, I like my sugar with coffee and cream Mm -hmm. because that's how I take my coffee. Yes. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep keep it going. going Full steam.
1: Too sweet to be sour. Too Too nice nice to to be be mean. On the tough guy style. I'm not so keen.
0: Uh, Try to try to rule the world. on a plot and scheme, something like, that. something like that. Anyway, hello. The ba the basty
1: the basty boys. The basty boys. Uh the kings of the marinade.
0: The kings of the marinade.
1: Yeah, the basty boys. The
0: basty boys. Oh, I was doing like um, ba- like a Robert Burns basty. Oh, basty. Where slick it, Timring cowers basty. Basty. What a panics in thy basty. All right.
1: Uh, hello! Welcome hello. to uh, Infinite Cast, mm-hmm. your weekly podcast. Yep, we're here with more of the book, more of the book, Infinite Jest.
0: Yep, that's the book David, by David Foster Wallace, Yes. published in nineteen ninety six. Nineteen ninety by... six. By what? Who published this damn book? Is Double this Day? a Knopf? Is this a Knopf? <laughs> knopf. How do you how do you pronounce how do you pronounce Knopf? Knopf. 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 I I always hear Knish. Oh, it's little. Bra- it's a little brown. Back Bay Books. Little, little brown. brown and Company.
1: I wonder if this was seen as a gamble at the time. He he was getting heat before this came out, right?
0: he meaning he was heating up yeah, yeah getting hot yeah um yeah he he was building a thing um building a mystery but this was this was the
1: but certainly when it was published it was like this is the literary event of the year right
0: yeah absolutely and just because again it was just so so large and so good <laughs> but yeah imagine being a uh, New York Times is Michiko Kakutani and being like <laughs> and, and uh your guy like just slams a, a galley on your desk and it rattles all your pens and, and uh, pencils and be like you need to review this by uh, next uh, next Thursday. I don't know. I don't know what lead time um, people get for literary reviews. I assume it's ample.
1: Also, it was the nineties, and journalism still existed, so it's probably like uh, this guy was paid one hundred twenty thousand dollars to read like three books a year.
0: Totally. I mean, yeah, that was honestly that was an early. I I reviewed uh, books in a different life. I I remember fondly my first review copy. It's actually on our bookshelf. It's a book called Office Girl. Office uh, Girl. I uh, yeah, I was because truly, um to me uh, getting free books was, was I still get a pain. I still get a thrill when um we get like a galley copy uh for um uh, and introducing. And introducing. Yeah. Uh I'm like a book for free? Free books?
1: And I didn't have to go to the library. Folks, that's what we're in it for, free books.
0: Yeah, that's uh, what it's all about. Anyway. What 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 what's
1: it all about? Um Should we get into it? Galley galley copies, yes.
0: Anyway, yeah, book, book how, reviewing. How there, office, there was a time when I was gonna I was wanted to review girl? books. Uh good, cute, short, uh Great. minimal.
1: Do you ever read Sad Desk Salad?
0: No. Who wrote that?
1: Uh one of my coworkers at Slate. It was her debut novel.
0: Sad Desk Salad is definitely of what twenty fourteen? Uh
1: yeah, twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Sounds sounds about right. Uh, it, now it's now the, all um, books are called. The world is a beautiful place, and I'm not afraid to die. <laughs> the, the you and me of it all. Hu- Shit, actually, if you no know, if no one has written that book, the I'm, you and me of, a, I'm of it, I'm calling all. it. It's mine. The you and me of
1: it all. The you or, and me of it all, or the husband's wife.
0: The husband's wife and yes. the wife's the hu- What about the what the husband's wife's husband?
1: The husband's wife's boyfriend. Other oh, right?
0: husband. Yeah, the, <laughs> the husband's wife's boyfriend. Oh, so many good ideas. Anyway, let's get into All it. Right, People, let's read Infinite Jest. We, let's climb Mount DeLauded. Uh, we've got Don and and uh, Fackelman uh, doing the damn thing. Well,
1: what was the thing that Fackelman was uh, mumbling under his breath? a goddamn lie. It's goddamn lie. It's goddamn lie. It's goddamn lie.
0: They found it increasingly funny. After every exchange like this, they laughed and laughed. Each exhalation of laughter seemed to take several minutes. <laughs> the ceiling and the window's light receded fackleman wet his pants this was even funnier they watched the pool of urine spread out against the hardwood floor changing shape growing curved arms exploring the fine oak floor the rises and valleys and little seams it might have gotten later and then early a.m. again the entertainment cartridges myriad small flames were reflected in the spreading puddle so that soon gately could watch without taking his chin off his chest when the phone rang it was just a fact The ringing was like an environment, not a signal. The fact of its ringing got more and more abstract. Whatever a ringing phone might signify was like totally overwhelmed by the overwhelming fact of its ringing. Gately pointed this out to Fackelman. Fackelman vehemently denied it. (laughs) At some point, Gately tried to stand and was rudely assaulted by the floor and wet his own pants. The phone rang and rang. At another point, they got interested in rolling different colors of peanut M&Ms into the puddles of urine and watching the colored dye corrode and leave a vampire white football of M&M in a nimbus of bright dye. The intercoms buzzard to the luxury apartment complex's glass doors downstairs, sounded, overwhelming both of them with the fact of its sound. It buzzed and buzzed. They discussed wishing it would stop the way you discuss wishing it would stop raining. It became the ICBM of binges. The substance seemed inexhaustible. Mount Delauded changed shapes, but never really much shrank that they could see. It was the first and only time ever that Gately IV'd narcotics so many times in one arm that he ran out of arm vein and had to switch to the other arm. Fackelman was no longer coordinated enough to help him tie off and boot. Fackelman kept making a string of chocolatey drool appear and distend almost down to the floor. The acidity of their urine was corroding the apartment's hardwood floor's finish in an observable way. The puddle had grown many arms, like a Hindu god. Gately couldn't quite tell if the urine had explored its way almost back to their feet or if they were already sitting in urine. Falcoman would see how close to the surface of the pond of their mixed piss he could get the tip of the string of spit before he sucked it back up and in. The little game had an intoxicating aura of danger to it. The insight that most people like play danger but don't like real-life danger hit Gately like an epiphany. It took him gallons of viscous time to try and articulate the insight to Fackleman so that Fackleman could give it the imprimatur of a denial. (laughs) Eventually, the buzzer stopped. The phrase, more tattoos than teeth, also kept going through Gately's head as it bobbed, the head, even though he had no idea where the phrase came from or who it was supposed to refer to, he hadn't been to Belerica minimum yet. He was on bail that Whitey Sorkin had bonded. The taste of the M and M's could. So this is in the weird point before he uh, assault, killed the bouncer with the other bouncer's body. Oh yes, uh, and going to jail, which I guess was like a three-month period. The taste of the M and M's couldn't cut the weirdly sweet medical taste of hydromorphone in Gately's mouth. <laughs> He watched an old stovetop burner's crown of blue flame shimmer in the shine of the urine. During a ruddled sunset light period, Fackleman had had a small convulsion and a bowel movement in his pants, and Gately hadn't had the coordination to go to Fackleman's side during the seizure to help and just be there. He had the nightmarish feeling that there was something crucial he had to do, but had forgot what it was. Ten milligram injections of the blue bayou kept the feeling at bay for shorter and shorter periods. He'd never heard of somebody having a convulsion from an O D, and Fackelman had indeed seemed to bounce to his version of back. The sun outside the big windows seemed to go up and down like a yo yo. They ran out of the distilled uh oh God. They ran out of this distilled water Fackelman had in the mixing bowl, and Fackelman took a cotton and sopped up candy dyed urine off the floor and cooked up with urine. Gately appeared to himself to be repulsed by this but there was no question of trying to get to the stripped kitchen for the distilled water bottle. Gately was tying off his right arm with his teeth now, his left was so useless. Fackleman smelled very bad. Gately nodded out into a dream where he was on a Beverly Needham bus whose sides said Paragon bus lines, the gray line. In his stuporous recall over four years later in St. E's, he realizes that this bus is the bus from the dream that wouldn't end and wouldn't go anywhere, but has the sickening realization that the connection between the two buses is itself a dream, or is in a dream, and it's now that his fever returns to new heights and his line on the heart monitor gets a funny little hitch like a serration at the first and third nodes, which makes an amber light flash at the nurse's station down the hall. When the buzzer sounded again, they were watching the Flames film late at night. Now poor old Pamela Hoffman Jeep's voice came to them through the intercom. The intercom and apartment complex front doors on locker button were all the way across the living room by the apartment door. The ceiling bulged and receded. Fackleman had made his hand into the shape of a claw and was studying the claw in the light of the TP's flames. Mount Delauded was badly caved in on one side. A disastrous avalanche into Lake Urine was a possibility. PHJ sounded drunk as a nuck. She said to let her in. She said she knew they were in there. She used party as a verb several times. Fackelman was whispering that it was a lie. <laughs> Gately remembers he actually had to prod himself in the bladder to feel if he had to go to the bathroom. His unit felt small and icy cold against his leg and the oh. wet jeans. The ammoniac smell of urine and the breathing ceiling and drunk distant female voice. Gately reached in the dark for the bars of his playpen, Grabbed them with, uh, grasped them with pudgy fists, hauled himself to his feet. His rising was more like the floor lowering. He wobbled like a toddler. The apartment floor below him fainted right, left, circling for an opening to attack. The luxury windows hung with starlight. Fackleman had made his claw come alive into a spider and was letting the spider climb slowly down his chest area. The starlight was smeary. There were no distinct stars. Everything out of the line of fire of the cartridge viewer was dark as a pocket. The buzzer sounded angry and the voice pathetic. Gately put his foot out in the direction of the buzzer. He heard Facuman telling his hands, claws, spider it was witnessing the birth of an empire. (laughs) Then when Gately put his foot down there, there was nothing there. The floor dodged his foot and rushed up at him. He caught a glimpse of bulged ceiling and then the floor caught him in the temple. His ears belled. The impact of the floor against him shook the whole room. A box of laminates teetered and fell and fanned clear laminates all over the wet floor. The viewer fell off the wall and cast ruddled flames on the ceiling. The floor jammed itself against Gately, pressing in tight, and he grayed out with his scrunched face toward Fackleman and the windows beyond, with Fackleman holding the spider out in in midair at him for his inspection. (laughs) That's the end of that segment for now.
1: Uh, Depressing.
0: Very yeah i would I
1: would like to think if I ever got into a situation where I was like pissing myself and somebody was shit like like relieving yourself into yourself is uh you know that that's a red line for me
0: D- 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 did too good yeah hard to hard to and the if you get up, the floor is just going to attack you. It's true It's hard might to as well just stay there. It's a double bind, you might say yes all right. oh, for Christ's sake, then, I was in two scenes. What else is in there? I do not know. In the first scene, I'm going through a revolving door, you know, around in this glass revolving door and going around out as I go in is somebody I know but apparently haven't seen for a long time because the recognition calls for a shocked look and the person sees me and gives an equally shocked look. We're supposedly formerly very close, formerly very close, and now haven't seen each other in the longest time and the meeting is random chance. And instead of going in, I keep going around in the door to follow the person out, which person is also still revolving in the door to follow me in, and we whirl in the door like that for several whirls. Q. The actor was male. He wasn't one of Jim's regulars, but the character I recognize in the door is Epicene. Q. Hermaphroditic? Androgynous? It wasn't obvious that the character was supposed to be a male character. I assume you can identify. Uh, The other had the camera bolted down inside a stroller or bassinet. I wore an incredible white floor-length gown of some sort of flowing material and leaned in over the camera in the crib and simply apologized. Q. Apologized, as in my lines were various apologies. I'm so sorry. I'm so terribly sorry. I am so, so sorry. Please know how very, very, very sorry I am. For a real long time, I doubt he used it all. I strongly doubt he used it all, but there were at least twenty minutes of permutations of "I'm sorry."
1: This is an interview with uh, jo- uh Jolene. From uh, Joel. Joel. Yeah, Joel from um, I assume the Canadians. Uh,
0: we, I believe uh, because she's acknowledging the androgyny uh, or hermaphroditic nature of uh, the person that she sees in the movie that she is talking. To Hugh slash Helen Steeply. Okay, great. Uh, who, if we remember last uh, segment, accosted her on the street and said, You were in grave danger. And she said, This is supposed to be news. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, Hugh, that was so long ago. It was <laughs> weeks and weeks ago. Yes. No, that was last week. Was that last week? Just it's a tiny little paragraph in oh, the middle the, of the Mount fi- Delano. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yes, yes. Uh, Q. Not exactly, not exactly veiled. Q. The point of view was from the crib, yes, a crib's eye view. But that's not what I meant by driving the scene. The camera was fitted with the lens with something Jim called, I think, an auto wobble. Ocular wobble, something like that. A ball and socket joint behind the mount that made the lens wobble a little bit. It made a weird tiny, little tiny whirring noise, I recall, a uh, recollect. Q. The mounts, the barrel. The mounts, what the elements of the lens are arranged in. This crib lenses mount projected out way farther than a conventional lens, but it wasn't near as big around as a catadioptric lens. It looked more like an eye stalk or a night vision scope than a lens, long and skinny and projecting with this slight wobble. I don't know much about lenses beyond basic concepts like length and speed. Lenses were Jim's forte. This can't be much of a surprise. He always had a whole case full. He paid more attention to the lenses and lights than to the camera. His other son carried them in a special case. Leith was cameras, the sun was lenses. Lenses, Jim said, were what he had to bring to the whole enterprise, of filmmaking, of himself. He made all his own. Q. Well, I've never been around them. But I know there's something wobbled and weird about their vision, supposedly. I think the newer born they are, the more they wobble. Plus, I think a milky blur, neonatal nystagmus. I don't know where I heard that term. I don't remember. It could have been Jim. It could have been the sun. What I know about infants personally, you could... It may uh, have been uh, an astigmatic lens. I don't think there's much doubt the lens was supposed to reproduce an infantile visual field. That's what you could feel was driving the scene. My face wasn't important. You never got the sense it was meant to be captured realistically by this lens. Q. I never saw it. I've got no idea. Q. They were buried with him, the masters of everything unreleased. At least that was in his will. Q. It had nothing to do with killing himself. Less than nothing to do with it. Q. No, I never saw his fucking will. He told me. He told me things. He'd stop being drunk all the time. That killed him. He couldn't take it, but he'd made a promise. Q. I don't know that he ever even got a finished master. That's your story. There wasn't anything unendurable or enslaving in either of my scenes. Nothing like these actual perfection rumors. These are academic rumors. He talked about making something, quote, too perfect, but as a joke. (laughs) He had a thing about entertainment, being criticized about entertainment v. non-entertainment and stasis. He used to refer to the work itself as entertainments. He always meant it ironically. Even in jokes, he never talked about an anti-version or antidote, for God's sake. He'd never carry it that far. A joke.
1: Enslaving the world to um, mass media psychosis as a bit.
0: As a bit. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about irony in a little bit. <laughs> uh, instead of Q, it's just dot, dot, dot. I assume that means it's Helen just waiting. When he talked about this thing as a, quote, perfect entertainment, terminally compelling, it was always ironic. He was having a sly little jab at me. I used to go around saying the veil was to disguise lethal perfection, that I was too lethally beautiful for people to stand. It was a kind of joke I'd gotten from one of his entertainments, the Medusa odalisque thing, <laughs> that even in UHID, I. That that even in UHID, I hid by hiddenness in denial about the deformity itself. So Jim took a failed piece and told me it was too perfect to release. It paralyzed people. It was entirely clear that it was an ironic joke to me. Q. Jim's humor was a dry humor. Q. If it got made and nobody's seen it, the master, it's in there with him, buried. That's just a guess, but I bet you. Call it an educated bet. Q. Uh, pause, Q, Q, Q. That's part of the joke he didn't know. Where he's buried is itself buried now. It's in your annulation zone. It's not even your territory. And now if you want the thing, he'd enjoy the joke very much, I think. Oh, shit, yes, very much. That's the end of that section. Great. So
1: the his lenses and potentially the master cartridge of the entertainment is buried with him?
0: Yes, Which, if we recall, he's buried in Quebec, uh, where uh, Avril is from. Yes. All right. By a rather uh, creepy coincidence, it also turned out that, up in our room, Kyle, Dempsey, Coyle, and Mario were also watching one of himself's old efforts. Mario had gotten his pants on and was using his special tool to zip and button. Coyle looked oddly traumatized. He was sitting on the edge of my bed, his eyes wide and his whole body with the slight tremble of something hanging from the tip of a pipette. Mario greeted me by name. Snow continued to whirl and eddy outside the window. The position of the sun was impossible to gauge. The net posts were now buried almost up to their scorecard attachments. The wind was piling snow up in drifts against all Academy right angles and then pummeling the drifts into unusual shapes. The window's whole view had the gray, grainy quality of a poor photo. The sky looked diseased. Mario worked his tool with great patience. It often took him several tries to, try, uh, to catch and engage the tool's jaws on the tongue of his zipper. Coyle, still watching his, wearing his apnea mouth guard, stared at our room's little viewer. The cartridge was himself's accomplice, a short melodrama with Cosgrove Watt and a boy no one had ever seen before or since. You woke up early, Mario said, smiling up from his fly. His bed was made up drum-tight. I smiled. Turns out I wasn't the only one. You look sad. I raised my hand with a NASA glass at Coyle. An unexpected pleasure, KDC. Uh, <laughs> Thyth ficken meth uh, <laughs> Coyle said. <laughs> I put the glass and toothbrush on my uh, dresser and straightened its doily. I picked some clothing up and began separating it by smell into wearable and unwearable. <laughs> Kyle says Jim Trolch tore some of Ortho's face off trying to pull him off a window his face got glued to, Mario uh-huh. said. And then Jim Trolch and Mr. Kenkel tried to put toilet tissue on the rip parts, the way Tall Paul sometimes puts little bits of Kleenex on a shaving cut. But Ortho's face was a whole lot worse than a shaving cut, and they used a whole roll, and now oh, Ortho's God. face is covered with toilet tissue, and the tissue's stuck now, and Ortho can't get it off. And at breakfast, Mr. DeLint was yelling at Ortho for letting them put toilet tissue on it. And Ortho ran to his and Kyle's room and locked the door. And Kyle doesn't have his key since the accident with the Whirlpool. (laughs) I helped Mario on with his police locks vest and affixed the Velcro nice and tight. Mario's chest is so fragile feeling that I could feel his heartbeats tremble through the vest and sweatshirt. Coyle removed the apnea guard. Strings of white nighttime oral material appeared between his mouth and the guard as he extracted it. He looked to Mario. Tell him the worst part. I was watching Coyle very closely to see what he planned to do with the sickening mouthpiece he had. Hey, Hal, your phone has messages and Mike Pemulus came by and asked if you were up and about. You haven't even told him the worst part of it, Coyle said. Don't even think about putting that thing down anywhere near my bed, Kyle, please. I'm holding it away from everything. Don't worry. <laughs> Mario used his tool to zip up the long curved zipper of his backpack. Kyle said there was a problem with the discharge again. So I heard, I said. And Kyle says he woke up and Ortho was missing and Ortho's bed was missing as well. So he turned on the light. Coyle gestured with the appliance. And lo and fucking capital B, behold. Yes, and lo, Mario said. Uh, <laughs> Ortho's bed is up near the ceiling of their room. The frame has some, uh, has some way got lifted up and bolted to the ceiling sometime during the night without Kyle hearing it or waking up.
1: He got skidamarinked.
0: He did. I don't know what that means.
1: I haven't seen that movie yet. I really want to, but apparently it's just about like being in a, a, a dreamlike state in a house where things keep shifting where they are suddenly. Wow, yeah, that does you're, sound you're, very eerie. You're uh, on the roof or on the ceiling or and stuff like that, or doors disappear and things while you are in a hallway looking at a wall.
0: It do it do be like that when you're a kid. rinked. You got ri- you got rinked. Yeah. Skinned. Um until the discharge, that is, I said. This is it, said Coyle. The tin cans and accusations I'm moving his stuff around are one thing. I'm going to lateral Alice for a switch like Trolch did. This is the straw <laughs> Mario said. And his bed's up on the ceiling now, still, and if it falls, it's going to go right through the floor and fall in Graham and Petropolis' room. <laughs> He's in there right now all mummified in toilet paper, sulking, with his bed hanging overhead, with the door locked, so I can't even get my apnea guard cleaning supplies, Coyle said. (laughs) I heard nothing about Trolch apparently switching room assignments with Trevor Axford. A giant wedge of snow slid down a steep part of the roof over our window and fell past the window and hit the ground below with a huge whomp. For some reason, the fact that something as major as a midterm room switch could have taken place without my knowing anything about it filled me with dread. There were a few glitters of a possible incipient panic attack again. Mario's bedside table had a tube of salve for his pelvis's burn, unevenly squeezed. Mario was looking at my face. Is it you're sad about not getting to play if the Quebec players are canceled? And then to crown off the whole night, he ends up with his face glued to a window, Coyle said disgustingly, <laughs> disgustedly. Frozen, I corrected him. Except, but now listen to Stice's explanation. Let me guess, I said. For the bed hovering, Uh, Mario looked at Coyle. You said bolted. I said, presumably bolted is what I said. I said, the only rationale that's possible is bolts. Let me guess, I said. Let him guess, Mario told Coyle. The darkness thinks ghosts. Coyle, (laughs) Coyle stood and came toward us. His two eyes were not set quite level in his face. Stice's explanation that he swore me to discretion but that was before the bed on the ceiling was that he thinks he's been somehow selected or chosen to get haunted or possessed by some kind of beneficiary or guardian ghost that resides in and or manifests in ordinary physical objects that wants to teach the darkness how to not underestimate ordinary objects and raise his game to like a supernatural level to help his game. Never underestimate objects. Uh, objects uh, are, are um, the world is made mostly of objects. The world is made mostly of objects. And the world is incredibly old. <laughs> One eye was subtly lower than the other and set at a different angle. Or hurt somebody else's, I said. Uh, of course, Hal is saying that because Hal played Stice and Stice had some supernatural shots that almost beat yes. him. So he was freaked out about that. Stice is mentally buckling, Coyle said, still moving in. I was careful to stay just out of morning breath range. He keeps staring at things with his temple veins flexing, trying to exert will on them. He bet me 20 beans he could stand on his desk chair and lift it up at the same time, and then he wouldn't let me cancel the bet when I got embarrassed for him after half an hour standing up there flexing his temples. I was also keeping a careful eye on the oral appliance. Did you guys hear sausage analog and fresh squeeze for breakfast? Sa- <laughs> sausage beyond analog. sausage. Uh, yes. th- you heard it here first. David Foster Wallace invented beyond sausage
1: sausage analog.
0: Ooh, can we get Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast after this? We'll talk about it. Okay. Mario asked again if I were sad. Coyle said I was down there. Stice's map was taking the edge off of appetites all over the room. Then DeLint started in yelling at him. He was looking at me oddly. I don't see what's so funny about it, man. <laughs> Mario. So Mario thinks that Hal is sad, and Coyle thinks that he's he's mirthful. Confusing. Mario fell backward onto his bed and wriggled into his backpack straps with practiced ease. Coyle said, I don't know if I should go to Shtit or Rusk or what, or Lateral Alice. What if they haul him off somewhere and it's my fault? <laughs> There's no denying the Darks raised his game this fall, though. There are machine messages on the machine, Hal, too. Mario said as I held his hands carefully and pulled him upright. What if it's the mental buckling that's raised his game, Coyle said. Does it still count as buckling? (laughs) Cosgrove Watt had been one of the very few professional actors himself ever used. Himself often liked to use rank amateurs. He wanted them simply to read their lines with an amateur's wooden self-consciousness off cue cards Mario or Disney Leith would hold up well to the side of whatever the character was supposed to be looking Up until the last phase of his career, himself had apparently thought the stilted wooden quality of non-professionals helped to strip away the pernicious illusion of realism and to remind the audience that they were in reality watching actors acting and not people behaving. Mm -hmm. Like the Parisian-French Bresson he so admired, uh, himself had no interest in succoring the audience with illusory realism, he said. The apparent irony of the fact that it required non actors to achieve this silted, artificial, I'm only acting here quality was one of very few things about himself's early projects that truly interested academic critics. But the real truth was that the early himself hadn't wanted skilled or believable acting to get in the way of the abstract ideas and technical innovations in the cartridges, and this had always seemed to me more like Brecht than like Brisson. <laughs> conceptual and technical ingenuity didn't, must, it didn't much interest entertainment film audiences though and one way of looking at himself's abandonment of anti-confluentialism is that in his last several projects he'd been so desperate to make something that ordinary US audiences might find entertaining and diverting and conducive to self-forgetting which takes us to endnote 378 as opposed to self-confronting, presumably. Mm -hmm. Back to the text. That he had had professionals and amateurs alike emoting wildly all over the place. (laughs) Getting emotion out of either actors or audiences had never struck me as one of himself's strengths, though I could remember arguments during which Mario had claimed, I didn't see a lot of what was right there. <laughs> Cosgrove Watt was a pro, but he wasn't very good, and before himself discovered him, Watt's career consisted mostly of regional market commercials on broadcast television. His widest commercial exposure was as the dancing gland in a series of spots for a chain of East Coast endocrino- endocrin- sorry, endocrinology clinics. Very good. He'd worn a bulbous white costume, white toupee and either a ball and chain or white tap shoes depending on whether he was portraying the before gland or the after gland himself during one of these commercials had shouted eureka at our hd sony and traveled personally all the way to Glen riddle pennsylvania where watt lived with his mother and her cats to recruit him he used cosgrove watt in almost every project for 18 months Watt for a time was to himself as De Niro was to Scorsese. McLaughlin to Lynch. Hey! Hey. Allen to Allen. Do do you know this film? Woody Allen. Himself to Woody Allen. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) Cancel. And up until Watt's uh, temporal lobe problem made his social presence <laughs> unbearable, himself had actually put Watt, mother, and cats up in a contiguous suite of what later became pro-rector's rooms off the main ETA tunnel, the moms acquiescing in this, but instructing Oren, Mario, and me never ever to remain in a room alone with Watt. <laughs>
1: uh, if anybody out there is looking for good display names, the Dancing Gland is a pretty good one.
0: How are we on time? Because we're about to get into some uh weird stuff. I'm gonna weird guess we're about stuff. like
1: twenty five minutes. No, we're at thirty. This is, let's call, it, let's there's, call a, it
0: there's uh everything is happening so much, and I don't wanna get into yeah. a movie about a young male prostitute and an old an old man. Is this cruising? Uh I don't it's it's accomplice.
1: Oh accomplice. Okay, great. Uh can, can I relay a good joke that I had this week?
0: As long as it's appropriate and won't offend anybody.
1: I I already told it to you, and you thought it was funny. Okay. Uh, you were watching TV, and there was a commercial that said a new way of cruising. And I said, <laughs> "What is this? An ad for Grinder?"
0: <laughs> it is a cru- a cruise line commercial. Yes. Yes, I did
1: think that was funny. Uh. Cosgrove Watt.
0: Cosgrove Watt. Yes. Cosgrove Watt.
1: Uh. Okay. So we have a very depressing, uh, segment of. Don Ad- and Facts. Don and Facts. Goddamn why just um submitting to the the absolute dregs of addiction. Yeah. Um one might consider that a rock bottom, but it's not quite yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you think about it in the timeline, this thing that is happening happens before he goes to jail. After he's committed and to then the after crime, before
1: he, he's, he goes to jail.
0: And then after he goes to jail, he still has a significant amount of um, promotion uh, yeah. career that ends, of course, with, um, with the accident with uh, the, Duplessis, Duplessis, which then leads him, I believe, to finally... Um, uh, even even that actually doesn't take him down. I think he might he gets booked on something else and rather rather than go to jail, he goes to rehab. Yes. Or he goes after to after re- the duplessis Or after the duplessis thing says happens. It that segment
1: that it's that it alludes to that he's remembering that in the hospital from the gunshot wound 4, four years, years ago. 4 years ago. Okay.
0: Yeah. And he we know he's been in so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to our listeners that I'm having trouble getting these very basic plot things um squared away, it's but fine. No, can no, you it, blame me? It,
1: no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't no one,
0: a thousand well, I pages. Mean, somebody, somebody out there cares, but uh, yeah. I don't
1: care. Again, it's mo- the vibes are more important. Than
0: he's been, emails. I believe, he, he's already done a full bid at Ennet House, and then he's been there as a staff. So this, yeah, it's been years since he uh, um, has been. He, what, what is he? Has he like a year sober at this point? Maybe a little bit more.
1: But as we know from doing this very project, four years is
0: no time. It's no time at all. It's um, no time at all. Yeah, and so I think. I mean, I actually think he might go to Ennet House. Because he, this duplices thing happens and he's trying to like hide from the law. Yes. And then he happens to also just come in at the right time and. And But of course. Surrender.
1: You know, like a Benadryl addict, he is afraid of the hat man.
0: He's afraid of the hat man.
1: Okay. So we have that. uh, Speaking
0: of the hat man, I recently heard um, there's a term for like DM, the, the. It's like the something machine, the machine like makers. When you do DMT, the Clockwork Elves, the, the Clockwork Elves, yeah. Yes, of
1: course. You have to go see the. You see the Clockwork Elves. I was watching a recap. They don't yeah. want to hurt you. They're just
0: they're just showing you, you how you, things work.
1: Or they they are just you, here for you to bear witness. The Clockwork Elves. Um, you just see them.
0: Do you not think not there's such a thing? Or they did,
1: exist outside of our consciousness. The of Clockwork course. Elves.
0: Sorry to interrupt. Did Did you um? Do you think that there's a thing as a DMT addict, like someone who uh, is addicted to like uh, entering the void? I guess DMT
1: is one of those things that I, it's like adrenochrome where I'm like, is it just a myth? It doesn't actually exist, right?
0: I i mean, uh, we've, we've known people who've done it. Oh yeah. So, oh, it's time. It was time to be real.
1: There's a chance that we can be real. Sorry. Um, Yeah. It's a possibility. Oh, I've got it. Yes. I've got to do a zoom at one. Oh, okay. But we've got twenty five minutes.
0: Okay, well, maybe you can do a Zoom, and then maybe I can go get some uh, breakfast sandwiches. For yes, that donuts. sounds like
1: a great plan.
0: <laughs> God, I look so I look so bad in this. Uh, be real. Anyway, anyway, oh so okay. Okay, so we've got we've got a rock, some sort of bottom happening. Yes, uh, Don Fackleman's a dead man.
1: Uh, then we have Joelle getting interviewed.
0: By Hugh slash Helen Steeply yes. explaining, and they're they're clearly trying to get get a sense of where the master copy is. Um, is there an antidote? And she's just like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. Yes, I was just in this movie that it seemed pretty stupid to me. I mean, so just talking uh, to me, it's not even that interesting to talk about the to keep hemming and hawing about the entertainment. Yes, but the key that I think that this is supposed to point out is it's not it's a confluence of everything. It's the concept that you are apologizing to your baby for the, what you killing him in your past life. Mm-hmm. But it's also the lens, which is mimicking baby vision. And then it's this, uh, paradox of whether Joel is, uh, so, so beautiful that she's deformed or so deformed that she's beautiful.
1: Yes. Yeah, so well, also like the, the, the mother baby thing. I feel like it. Mother
0: really baby. M- That's my metal band. Mm- yes. I'm the mother baby. Baby mother. Baby, baby, baby woman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, The thing about how your, what is the thing that like your mother kills, kills you?
0: your the, your mother the woman who killed you in your past life gives birth to you, you in the your, next. Uh, yes mm-hmm. i feel
1: like that is is part of it it's a it's your mother apologizing to you to, for killing you in your past life
0: yeah he, she's trying to make up for a crime neither of you can remember
1: yes exactly
0: which i'm sorry like
1: the crime of being born
0: call call it uh is it cringe or whatever i'm like to me not having had a, a kid yet that is the but every, you know everyone has a mom uh the most accurate Descri- spiritual description of parenthood is that you give your kid the gift of life, but the gift is a curse, and then you spend the rest of your life imagine, making up for, for. I didn't ask to be born.
1: I'm just imagining giving birth to a kid, and the first thing that you say to it is, oh, "I'm sorry, man. I shouldn't have done that." <laughs>
0: Well, that's you know the 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 challenge of your life as a parent. I feel like is to prove to your kid that it wasn't a mistake yes. to have them. Yes, which yes. is that, you know every era has its own problems for why you would why you would do that. Obviously, now it's you know climate change and uh, waves waves a uh, hand around all, all of the everything. Hey,
1: if you're listening to Hell on Earth, you know that the uh, the the main takeaway is it's always the end of the. It's world. It's always the end of the world. The world is always ending. As, as it not is your, in Infinite Jest. Yes.
0: You've got this fractured, you know, um, the concept of America as we know it is is gone. Toxic waste being catapulted into Canada. Giant babies. Uh, uh, they really never get back
1: around to those giant babies, do they?
0: Well, we have a giant baby here right now. His name is, is Don me? Gately and he's pissing his fucking pants. It's true. Lying on the ground. Impo- he can't walk.
1: Yes. He's, a to- he's
0: toddling. He's a toddler. He's not even a toddler. He, he can't fucking be, toddle.
1: He do be obsessed with toddling.
0: It is it's the yeah the the mystery of uh, the uh, the other thing is that everyone was a baby but no one can remember it and yes, yet so much happened to you when you were a baby that you have to figure out you know b- you know the trauma or, or lack thereof
1: That's one of the ways that I'm dealing with uh entering middle age Yes When I think about like oh when I turn 40 mm-hmm. your life is definitively like half over yeah but then i'm lucky. Al- but
0: then i'm also like but i basically
1: don't remember anything that happened to me before i was like six so and i really get like six more years before i'm actually middle-aged of what i act what i experience
0: and then sh- you know shave shave some time off on the other side too because you turn into a baby again when yes. you're old and you you can't remember uh you you got to do mind puzzles in order to keep your uh your your brain your sharp. brain sharp
1: you know what movie is about that what? The Curious Case of an the The Curious Case of a Button.
0: Talk about a man, a man who's a baby. <laughs> it's babies
1: both ways. And a baby who's a man. Yeah. Um.
0: I, let's talk about, can we talk about irony? Let's talk about irony.
1: Yes. What about irony?
0: The ironic, you know, the ultimate irony of himself saying that entertainment is a joke. Yes. And that his idea to make the, the perfect movie the most entertaining movie so entertaining it's lethal yeah. is a joke but jokes on him because he did it he did it. and so it feeds into sorry my i'm sure i talked about this a zillion times but my, pers- my my personal concept is that there is no such thing as doing anything ironically yes
1: you're you're still doing it because you're doing it if you're do- doing something ironically the jokes on you because you've already done it yeah
0: i like to the extent that i don't even know like i feel like there's a lot of um uh, I saw I saw a really good tweet the other day that was like, "Sorry, um, but if you describe what you do as irony poisoned, uh, that's just the new version of um, fluent and snark." Uh, yes. And I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Yeah every every micro micro generation gets the um, the uh, cr- kind of cringe self labeling of a uh, f- fake nihilism." This I'm is fluent and snark. This
1: is an aside, but uh. I saw somebody today say that uh, they were listening to an Italian podcast in which somebody referred to something as cringissimo. A, <laughs> les, les
0: a cringissimo. Listen, That's like when
1: you ever when you see occasionally see French things where it's like le wokisme. <laughs> le, <laughs> wokisme. <laughs> le, le wokisme. Le <laughs> wokisme. Uh, yes, uh, he was trying to do something ironically, and then he actually he went and did the dang
0: thing. And even wa- you, you watching something. You can't even watch something ironically because you're you're watching it. You're, you're choosing to do something with your time that you could have done something else.
1: Yes. Uh, did David Foster Wallace set out to uh, create a heartbreaking work of staggering genius as a bit?
0: No, I think I think that's the. The, that's the thing is that he's talking about himself. I think there's a parallel of himself basically doing form over entertainment yes. of caring more about the lenses and the, um, the setups and the lighting than the plot. And I feel like that's his, his little joke self about joke about of being himself. like all the formalist, yeah. you know, stuff he you know, I,
1: I uses. Was, I was just thinking about that, about how like, you know, in terms of, I mean, we're so deep into this book at this point, so it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't even register, but like ideas like that, Joel interview scene, Mm-hmm. You know, it's so formal. It's like there's no setting. You have no idea where they are. You have no idea, like uh, a look, even a location if it exists. You get nothing from the uh, the interlocutor. It's just a stream of ideas. Yeah, the idea of a dialogue. You know.
0: Yeah, which is a, a aesthetic mm-hmm. choice, a formal choice in fiction that it's not. You know. A, I mean that—that's why I love fiction so much. Is that like you know another guy will be like the room was gray and dark yes. with one spotlight illuminating uh, the the veil, the white flowing veil of, yes. of one Joel Dyne uh, across from her a man a man or a woman who could say certainly not me. There's so many ways to write uh, write a thing. Yes, it's cool. But what one <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> it's cool fiction is cool. Is cool, but then it's that's what's different between a book and a movie is that uh, movies. Rainbow Six author. Excuse me.
1: The Rainbow Six author. I'm not familiar. Um, a guy the like Tom Clancy. I would like to see like Tom Clancy's rewrite of Mm -hmm. Infinite Jest, where it's all just like about technical specs and everything, and just like copious detail.
0: Yeah. The airport novelist. Yeah,
1: the airport novelist rewrite, the Dan Brown rewrite of the book.
0: Yeah. Hey, even even reading something like that, you can't read it ironically. Yes. And there's plenty of people who don't. Uh
1: and then finally Hal and um Mario and Mario, KD, KD Coyle. KD Coyle. Um, it seems like Hal has exited his temporary drug reverie but is still having difficulty being perceived by other people.
0: Yeah. Things are things are getting uh Getting weird, and also obviously, you know, Stice's bed is on the ceiling. Yes, you get the sense that the the, ra- stice, the, wraith, the wraith activity raid. is increasing. Up, yes, uh, as is everything else, speeding to an an unknown yet known conclusion.
1: I like that detail about <laughs> the bit about watching somebody's mouth guard and being like he better not put that on any of my shit yeah <laughs> a very high especially because he's
0: like a 10, a ten yeah. year old so you, you literally cannot trust him to even be aware that he's like doing yes, yes. The, yes. just the indignity of having a, a you know a 10 year old boy in your room mm. when you're 17 All the little details about helping
1: mario get dressed i know very sweet <laughs>
0: i love mario i love yes. him in his little police lock in his backpack. Yeah.
1: Getting the vest all tightly Velcroed and feeling his little heart flutter.
0: Mario basically makes those um those walking tour videos that we like yes. um, so much of, you know, two hours in downtown Kyoto. Uh, does Kyoto have a downtown? I digress. Yes, it does. Okay.
1: Uh, Did we have you mention those on the pod? We've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. Or not watching, but, you know, putting them on the background that are just like, if you if you YouTube like walking in Stockholm or walking in Kyoto, they're like every major city has somebody who has made like a high quality 4K yeah video of them just walking in silence through its downtown at night or whatever, and they're they're very good vibes.
0: They're great. they I I love them so much. See, yes. seeing you know what things are advertised in other countries. And- yes. Uh, it always strikes me, especially in city centers, is how many treats are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I get that sometimes, too, just walking around New York. New York, I'm like, at any at any arm's length, I could get a milkshake or some yes. dumplings or a little candy bar. I'm like, the life is just a series of treats waiting yes. to be discovered.
1: It's all about the treats. Speaking of, what are we going to get for breakfast?
0: I mean, I, have you ever had the Dunkin' Donuts Beyond Sausage? Yes, it's very good. It's pretty good. Beyond.
1: Here's the thing. I do love donkeys. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I've already had two cups of coffee, so I don't need a, okay. a Dunkin'. You coffee. don't need a coffee. And the thing is, is like those the breakfast sandwiches are very good, but I kind of want a bigger sandwich. Yeah.
0: I mean, What uh, about Bodega sandwich? That would be great for me. Okay, that that's is... the size
1: of sandwich that I would be looking
0: for. All right, I think I can get into that. Uh, I mean, bacon,
1: it, egg, cheddar cheese, avocado on a roll.
0: I mean here here's the real tea. What if I um what if I Court Court Street Grocer did that? <sighs>
1: Ooh, mommy. That's an ooh, mommy. Uh, Will we get the broccoli Reuben then? Yeah. Mm, but that doesn't sound there good. is there going to be a line there?
0: No, you can, you can order ahead and pick it up.
1: Oh, okay. Cool.
0: Anyway, this is so this is so interesting. People um, love... I, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not even
1: joking. People love listening to lunch orders on podcasts. Do they? Yes.
0: I mean, I if love... If you've
1: stuck around with us this long on this show, you are invested in our relationship and you are... <laughs> interested in what we are going to get for lunch i'm not even fucking kidding i it's like a blank check it's like a joke that's people that the they'll often like when they're doing live commentaries discuss what they're going to get for lunch and some and people want they're in their audience an oops all lunch orders yes uh podcast or episode and the only reason that has stopped them from doing it is that they can't figure out what the format would be for oops (laughs) all lunch orders
0: (laughs) That's cla- that's just classic podsmanship yes. right there.
1: I'm, so, uh, you know, sound off in the comments if you're interested in what we're going to get for breakfast slash lunch. And also what your preferred breakfast slash lunch is. It's uh, about noon on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. We're about to get Saturday brunch. Yeah. Uh, What do you think? What? Lox Benedict.
0: Lox Benedict? Yeah. That's all... That,
1: uh... I'm just talking about good, good. Just breakfast. good,
0: good breakfast to eat.
1: Yeah. Um, egg bagel, scallion cream cheese, tomato and cucumber, sliced tomato and cucumber on it, toasted.
0: Is that what you tomato. want right now? No, i just just naming, naming good breakfast? breakfast. I mean, or Saturday breakfast. Oh, egg, one egg in a soft boiled in an egg cup. <laughs>
1: With it, the, the top seer. gently cracked with open. toast. With toast soldiers so, to dip inside. With it just a, a little t- salt and a little pepper.
0: Uh, underrated toast soldiers.
1: Toast soldiers.
0: Uh, y'all, y'all know toast. Um, but have you considered cutting up into <laughs> it up into long strips?
1: <laughs> toast soldiers.
0: <laughs> Listen, it's the little things. We're all gonna die, so you might as well, well yeah, um, enjoy some toast soldiers. Yeah, you want it. <laughs> at the soldiers we let's um demilitarize let's deco- let's decolonize toast soldiers they're um toast uh, workers toast comrades
1: uh y'all imper- They're going
0: to, they're going to the factory but they're union and they're well paid y'all well-paid.
1: imperialism cucks be toasting soldiers while i have eaten toast soldiers
0: <laughs> i can't all right we should we should, uh, wrap, should we wrap so wrap you up? can get on your um yeah i do have call. to get on a zoom yeah.
1: What do we do? We did like eighteen, almost twenty minutes of commentary on uh, thirty minutes of podcasting. that's pretty good. I try to I try to keep the ratios good. You the know? ratio,
0: yeah, the, keep the ratios. We're careening toward the end. What page did I leave off on today? Bing bong, ding dong, ni bong. Um, nine forty five.
1: Jesus, we're like like less than forty pages away. Nine
0: forty four. Um,
1: like exactly forty pages away from the end. There's-
0: yeah, less less than forty.
1: So like four more weeks of this, four or five more weeks of this? Yeah, that's crazy. It's wild. I can't imagine this book ending at this point. It we does can start not it seem again. like it's about that. You well, we can go uh,
0: annular on your ass. I mean, that's the, that's the real tea is that if you circli- if you truly caught the bug, you will want to read it again. Maybe you want to read it with your eyeballs next time.
1: They're circling your ass on annular tr- Twitter.
0: <laughs> they're they're they're, they're <laughs> To, uh, to me, when I think of Annie Mueller, I think of the classic Möbius strip. Yes. Uh, you ever made? You ever? I remember my first Möbius strip. <laughs> Truly <laughs> it's blew a, my it's mind. Pretty shocking when you two first sides it out. yet one side. Yes. What? How? Shout out to Möbius. Möbius. I- he did the dance. It's mo- it's fuck. It's not Morbin time. It's Morbin time. Mobin time. Uh, what is mo- what is Möbius's first name? Oscar. <laughs>
1: Would he, I? I'm gonna guess he's Swiss. That seems like a Swiss guy.
0: Möbius. M- right. M- wait, b- 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 give me some background on M- August M- Ferdinand Möbius. August, M- but Very also uh, Johann Benedict Listing. Why don't Why don't they? Uh, why don't they call it is a he, listing strip? Also, it had already appeared in Roman mosaics from the third century CE. Wow. Uh, he's German. Classic German. He was Swiss? born on November seventeenth. Yeah, Scorpio vibes. <laughs> we're out here. We're Martin Scorsese, Rachel McAdams, August August Ferdinand Murbius, and me, bitches.
1: Great get birthday ready. buddies.
0: Get 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 into it.
1: For me, it's just me and Murder Brian and uh, Jonathan Davis of Corn.
0: F- you guys are fine. That's a good. That's dream. all the same type of guy. It
1: is the same type of guy. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I-
0: <laughs> That's
1: oh, No way. No. That, no, I'm going. All right. Bye. bye.